Hey everyone, and welcome to the Complete Performance Podcast with Dr. Josh Williamson. This is episode 14 and a rather impromptu episode. Last night, I put up a post on social media saying things that are fucked up in the health and fitness industry. And there was such a big response to it that everyone recognized the certain behaviors and approaches that are out there across training, coaches, personal trainers, the mindset, the food. And I just wanted to break this down a little bit further and give a bit of context about what are the issues with some of these points. So let's delve straight in. I'm not sure how long this is going to be because I can often go off on rants when talking about things I'm quite passionate about, but we'll take it step by step and point by point and delve into why these things that are glorified in the health and fitness industry and really shouldn't. So let's get stuck in to the first topic coaches and this isn't just coaches this is personal trainers and it's not necessarily that the coaches or personal trainers are at fault i mean they're partly at fault but it's being perpetuated by the industry so what we see being promoted across social media is before and after transformations the results and results is always part of a business it's what you the consumer buy into the problem is is that when you say that here's a before and here's an after you don't understand what has happened between those two photos you don't understand what that person has done how much effort how much cardio how restrictive they have been with their diet all we see is the end result we see something that maybe resembles us and what we not even think that we should be not even something we may want to be but what we see is validated within society this after photo this body that we think is going to bring us the happiness, the success, the attractiveness to whatever sex you prefer. What happens then is coaches realize that, oh, people like before and after photos. That's what gets me more clients. So I'm going to push more of that type of content. And this is where the issue lies. Now, it's not just about before and after photos. It's photo shoots. It's bodybuilding shows. Let's go back maybe 15, 20 years. Photo shoots were really reserved for fitness models. It was the person in front of men or women's health. Then it went into more general population. And people started thinking, okay, well, I want to look like that person on that cover. I want to get the magazine cover. And here's someone who's offering a service. And we'll do this 12-week plan, this 16-week plan. I've even seen plans as low as eight weeks, promising this before and after. And what used to be held for the people who were paid to do that transformation in the industry, the models, has now dripped down for everyone thinking that, well, this is the norm. And so you've got people who will do dedicated fitness shows, they will do photo shoots, they will do the bodybuilding physique shows. And then you will have coaches even saying, here's a group of six ladies, come and do a group photo shoot together and we'll all celebrate your body and we'll celebrate the results, giving you this photo at the end. What then happens as a result of that is that we put these photos online. We put them on social media, we share them, we, we change our, our profile photo to them, and then it gets likes. We get the fire emoji. We get the, oh girl, you look so fire. Flip, you are shredded. How did you do that? We get all the hard eyes. And that just reinforces that everything you've done is being recognized by someone. That the body you used to have isn't good enough anymore. 
that people are going to treat you different from looking a certain way. And so in your mind now, you have to you have to uphold that physique. And this skews your whole perception of what is normal. Because as soon as you get to that photo shoot, before you get that after photo, you're probably the leanest that you've ever been in your life. And so even if you put on two pounds or three pounds or four pounds, you suddenly think that flip. Why am I getting so fat? Why am I putting on so much weight? And all that happens then is I have to keep doing my cardio. I have to keep being restricted with my calories. I have to still train five days a week. And then this cycle perpetuates on and on. And then we wonder why a lot of people within the physique world, within bodybuilding, within PTs in general, have disordered behaviors around food, around their body. Because it starts from the actual industry itself. And then we all perpetuate it on and on. And this is why a lot of my content, you won't even see before and after photos. Now, I'm not going to act like a saint. Of course, I used that in the past. I used before and after transformations. I still use part of that within my public speaking events to show that here's where I started out. So I'm not, I'm not sitting here acting like a saint that I didn't do this. But very rarely will you see me using my body to promote my content or will I use anyone else's body to promote content because I don't think it's positive for the most part. Now, all of this has caveats, of course. Now, when you take all of that and you combine it with the fact that a lot of these transformations now turn into challenges that we're going to offer a cash prize for the winner, whoever can lose the most amount of weight or has the most impressive transformation, I'm going to give you £500. A thousand pound. We already know based off statistics that 70 to 75 percent of people openly say that they would put their health at risk to achieve the body they want. What happens when you incentivize that even further by saying, I'm going to give you 500 pound or a thousand pound? The next point I had sort of mentioned was that when it comes to people like nutritionists, like coaches, and anyone else in, who has some sort of authority on social media, posting full days of eating or recipe reels with no top on or in a sports bra, they're making the issue worse. They're contributing to people's per body image. Now, we have to be very careful here. I'm not telling anyone what they should or shouldn't wear, but we have to be we have to be aware of the risks associated with doing things like this. One of the common trends now you see is that people will often start off a full day of eating video showing their body. You may or may not be aware of it, but what you're doing is saying that here's my body, here, here's how I look, and here's how you must eat if you want to look like that. That's a massive issue. It's the same thing when it comes down to doing these recipes. Everything is low calorie. Everything is high protein. Everything is high volume. And you're going to stand there in your sports bra and say, well, here's the shape I'm in and here's the recipe. I mean, everything has to be low calorie. Everything has to be high protein. Everything has to be high volume. Now, of course, you don't explicitly say that, but that's what the consumer picks up when they view the content that I'm associating how, how this person looks with the food that they're consuming. Now, this goes for guys and girls. So we have to be careful. It's not that every post has to be, oh, I'm going to be covered from head to toe. 
Nor do I think that the one-off post is going to do much harm in the grand scheme of things, especially if it's an individual's content. But we just have to be careful. The last point I sort of made around coaches was that profiting off pain points, the insecurities and diet periods. Now, this is a whole issue in itself because you have a lot of business mentors now. And what they do is they tell you to to sell people off their pain points, find out what they're struggling with, and then go in hard on that. Make them feel terrible. Make them feel bad. And suddenly you have the solution that you're going to sell them. It's a real, to me, it's a real sleazy sales tactic. You know, I tell all people who book them to call me, like, I'm not here to sell you anything. I'm giving you this free call because I want to actually see where you're at and see if I can actually help. I'm not going to delve into your insecurities to try and get you to, to buy into me. And it's the same thing when it comes to diet periods. Right now, you're probably seeing so many advertisements for I am looking for five people to do my summer challenge. Oh, sorry, two spaces have gone. I am looking for three people. You know, we see all this type of marketing. And it's to really it's to really play on our emotions of, flip, I'm, I, I should be getting them. It's going to be good weather. I don't want to be sitting around and not being able to wear my shorts or not be able to expose my arms or not be able to wear a certain type of clothes or to wear a bikini or, or, or shorts by the, by the pool in summer. But I, I need to do something. I'm going to buy what this person is offering. And the same thing, it just seems now that people within the fitness industry are marketing to every single period throughout the year. It's the summer body. It's, oh, you gained weight over summer, we have to diet down again. It's now the little black dress or getting in shape for Christmas. All of those reunions, you're going to be seeing people again. Oh, after Christmas, you're feeling bad about yourself? Let's do a bit of a diet. And we, it just seems that it's incessant across the year that you always have to be in a calorie deficit. And I think coaches have a responsibility to, yes, try and try and align themselves to what the client actually wants, but to delve into a bit of a, a deeper reason as to why the client actually wants to change their body, not just for a before and after photo. Why are we trying to get this before and after photo? And so as coaches, we have that responsibility to do it in the most safe and healthy way as possible while making the client aware of the potential risks. Moving on to nutrition, there's a number of things here. The first is always seeing food as fuel. Now, there's this can be in, in both directions. You know, sometimes people say food is for enjoyment. But the opposite is that you get people saying, no, food is fuel. That's it. All I see is carbohydrates and fats and proteins and Food should be used to fuel your body. I get where you're coming from, but it's a really, really poor understanding of the role that food plays. Food just doesn't play a physical role. Yes, it, it, it fuels our performance. It helps us recover. But what about the emotional side? I don't need to tell you that when you're bored, when you're stressed, when you're heartbroken, when you're celebrating, when you've got a birthday, a wedding, a reunion, a, a communion, anything a- across the whole emotional spectrum usually results in some form of food. What about the actual cognitive function? How often have you had some food and it's made, maybe made you very sleepy? Or how often have you had certain foods and you feel just really alert and full of energy? What about 
how our body responds to certain food in terms of our senses when we see food. You know, I call this, you know, the, the, the popcorn issue. How often do you go to cinema? You order a big, large popcorn, nice cold drink, pro tip, get some Galaxy Counters, sprinkle them into your popcorn. You always find something nice halfway through the popcorn. <laughs> but how often are you in that situation? And before the film has even started, you've already ate through half of your popcorn. So when we're not being mindful of what's in front of us, when we're distracted, when we're not being present with our food, then we're more likely to overeat it. So how are our senses, how are we actually communicating with our food? How are we, how are we eating? What is the actual environment in which we're eating? And then the last one is obviously relationships. You know, a lot of our socializing revolves around some form of food, whether it's going for a couple of drinks, whether it's grabbing a coffee, whether it's grabbing dinner, food is usually always involved in a social situation. So food is beyond more than just fuel. That sort of leads me on to my next point then, that within the current climate that we're in, within the fitness industry, everything has to be new, everything has to be sexy. Nothing's really changed nutritionally. We know pretty much, I would say we know pretty much everything we're ever going to know about nutrition. Now things might come around and we may we may find out a certain nutrient or a certain deficiency might cause something. But I don't think we're going to have any of these big mass, massive advancements in nutrition anymore. Especially when it comes to health, especially when it comes to performance and recovery and the stuff that we're all probably interested in. And so what, what that means is that the people selling something have to label the things that work in a different way. Weight Watchers, for example. Oh, it's all about points. Slim World, it's all about sins. The Atkins diet is essentially a low-carbohydrate diet. The ketogenic diet, again, very low-carbohydrate diet, moderate fat, moderate protein. The carnivore diet, you have to eat all of meat. It's just a glorified elimination diet. Things have been around for so long that people are trying to sell you on, I've got the secret. I know why you're struggling with weight. Because you've never done a ketogenic diet. You've never done intermittent fasting. And so any time you see a name attached to a certain diet, they all work off the same premise, especially when it comes to weight loss, which is a calorie deficit. But I don't need to tell you that. You already know that a calorie deficit is what results in weight loss. The problem is, is that we all struggle with actually doing it. And that's where coaching is really limited. Because they'll, they'll just say, well, here's your macros. Being a calorie deficit, just, you know, exercise more and eat a little bit less. Cut down your portions. It's not really tangible advice, is it? Because that's not the things we're struggling with. The next point was then ordering food off a menu that you think you should eat. Like how many times have you said that I'm going to look after my, my weight? I'm going to look after my health. I want to look after my performance. And you go out for some food and you make a decision on your food based on, well, I'm really trying to lose weight here. And I would really, really love that lasagna, but that's far too, too many calories in that, too many carbs. I should just get some steak and veg. I mean, I'm even worried about the steak. There might be too much fat in it. Did the chef cook it in oil and butter? Oh, that's way too much. 
I'm just going to go for the chicken breast and some veg. That sounds absolutely miserable. Like, who wants to live like that? Yes, of course, we can make helpful decisions. There's there's a time and a place for making helpful decisions or less helpful decisions. But if we're doing this every time, if we're getting this anxiety every time we go out, that's not a good place to be in. We want to be able to enjoy food. We want to be able to socialize without worrying about, I'm supposed to be an athlete. Like everyone here thinks I'm an athlete. Can I really order dessert? Because they'll be thinking like an athlete doesn't eat that. And I've even heard clients say that, you know, they've been out with friends and their friends have said, should you really be eating that? Like, I didn't think that you would, would eat a pizza. And then that just makes the person more conscious about, oh, should I actually be eating a pizza? Like, like, they're right, I am an athlete. Flip. And then that just makes a relationship with food worse. Moving on to sort of the, the macro element to it, and tracking calories. One of the things that a lot of people in the industry still do is, here's your calories. You're going to eat 150 grams of protein, you're going to eat 200 grams of carbs, and you're going to eat 60 grams of fat. No, you're not. You're not. You're not doing that. No one is ever doing that. And if anyone tries to message me and say that, Josh, I hit my macros every day. No, you don't. No one does. Because you can't. It's physically impossible. Number one, we can't even calculate how many calories you're on for a start. We don't know what your expenditure is unless we bring you into a very controlled lab situation. Number two, there's going to be human error involved. Your scales aren't even accurate enough to pick up how much grams you're consuming. Number three, even if you think that you're weighing out every single thing that you put inside your mouth, nutrition labels are legally allowed to be 10 to 15% off. Not off, but it's a it's a it's it's a it's a margin of error. Think about it this way: when you go and you you get a packet of mints, that's part of the muscle that's been minced up. But within that muscle, it's not just solid protein. There's different types of fat within that muscle. We've got these intramuscular triglycerides, but they're they're not uniform across the entire muscle. Nor is the actual protein consistent across the entire muscle. We might think it does because that's what it looks like in a textbook. But that's not the way it is, and you'll know this yourself. You go into the you go into your grocery store, and you go to the steak aisle, and you look through the sirloin steaks. Do they all look exactly the same? No, they don't. Some are slightly fattier. Some have more more gristly bits in it. Some are slightly bigger, thicker. The nutrition labels are just an estimate of what's in a hundred grams and what's in a serving size of that particular product. So even if you think you're you're basing it off exact grams, you're not, because you can't. And so that tells us that if someone's giving you, if a coach is giving you, here's the exact macros you need to follow, we're already setting ourselves up for fail because we can't do it. Now what happens then is people think, okay, I'm using my calories and I'm happy enough to use that, but what if I have social events? What if I have something on the weekend? I'm going to bank my calories. Now, for, for anyone who's not aware, banking calories is a concept that my intake is 2,500 calories every day, seven days a week. But Saturday and Sunday, I have two, two events. Saturday, I like to have a pizza with my family. Sunday, I'm going out for 
say a wedding or a birthday. Two and a half thousand calories maybe isn't enough for that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to drop my intake by 500 on Thursday and Friday, and I'm going to put them to Saturday and Sunday. That'll give me 3,000 for those days. Across the week, the intake is still the same. So realistically, it shouldn't make any difference. And so that allows us a way to have a little bit more food, stay on track, and still see the same results. So what's the problem, Josh? The problem is that when we do this regularly, people end up just taking the piss. What happens is, okay, well, if I can bank two or 300 calories from Friday and Saturday and have slightly more on Saturday or Sunday, what happens if I bank Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? then I definitely could have a full pizza and breakfast and lunch and a couple of snacks in there and still be with my calories. Okay, what if I what if I keep my calories really low between Monday to Friday and Saturday to Sunday? That gives me 5,000 every day, both days. That sounds to me like you're getting in the dodgy territory of binging and restricting, but you're putting it under the guise of calorie banking. And that's what happens. Maybe don't think it does, but for a large proportion of people, that's what happens. They fall into this trap of this binge restrict cycle because they're trying to trying to bank calories in some way. Now that's not the only problem with calorie banking. The other issue with calorie banking is that it necessitates that you actually have to be bank you have to be tracking calories to bank them. And that doesn't suit everyone. Not everyone wants to track calories. Not everyone needs to track calories. So why are we trying to push this on the people when they may not actually be able to do it? It may not be feasible or suitable for them. The other thing is, is that it can often, if used daily, it can make you hard to control your appetite. Because say you are banking calories and you pull it down, depending on your calorie intake, you could be banking, you know, you could be down to 1,200 calories or 1,500 calories. Oh, I can't eat this now in case I get hungry later. Like, I've only got 1,500 calories for today because I'm banking them for Saturday. That means I've only got like 500 calories for my breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But if I eat this now, then I'll get hungry later. It doesn't seem to me that we're actually honoring our hunger here. The other thing is, is that it just doesn't allow for life. Like, imagine this. Saturday and Sunday, you've banked some calories for. So you've pulled your calories down on Thursday and Friday. And then you're in work on Thursday. And someone says, here, everyone, do you just want to go out for a couple of drinks tonight? Like, let's go out for some food, have a couple of drinks, nothing crazy, just, it's been a tough week for everyone. Let's go and enjoy ourselves, come into work tomorrow, and that'll be the weekend. And you're thinking, oh, I planned my day around this, I've banked some calories, I really need those calories for the weekend. Uh, no, I'll not go. Or if I do go, I'll go and I'll have a couple of waters and I'll try and get something light. And then you spend the whole time looking at other people's plates and being like, I wish I could have something. And it pulls back into that previous point that I've had about, you know, not being able to order what you actually want on the menu. Similarly to what I said before, the fact that we're seeing a trend now that so many people are pushing recipes and reels of recipes and new foods on social media. It's great because it's getting people cooking. It's great because people are being exposed to different foods. They are, you know, low-calorie foods and high-volume foods have their place. 
But I don't want to see your page full of high volume, high protein, low calorie meals because all it does, it infers that all of our food has to be around that, which means that we're indirectly saying that normal foods, normal meals are somehow bad. Again, hopefully you're seeing how this is all connected together, but if you're standing there topless or if you're standing there in a sports bra and you're trying to put a recipe together and every recipe that you do is, oh, this is my high protein, low calorie meal. Here's my fake away of McDonald's. And here's 15 different recipes that are all the same. That ties together a really dysfunctional way of viewing food. For me, when I do my recipe reels, some of them just happen to be high protein. Some of them just happen to be high volume. But when I'm cooking food, I just want good quality, super tasty food that actually satisfies me. And if that gives you if that gives you anxiety, if that makes you anxious thinking about eating something like that and not knowing the total calories, then I would say that's hinting hinting on a poor relationship with food with yourself. I guess by inference, the final point on this is emphasizing high protein. The amount of people who who come to me and I drastically reduce their protein intake, and they're like, Josh, what are you doing? Like, I'm gonna lose muscle here. Trust me, I don't want you to lose muscle. If you're an athlete, if you're a person of gem pop, that muscle is good for health, it's good for performance. I'm on your side. (laughs) But the fact that we're making everything high protein, I have so many females who say, Josh, I've worked out my macros from these recommendations or from what someone has said online, and I just struggle to hit it. And that means I'm following all these recipes to try and hit it. But I don't like it. I don't want to do it. Or I just really struggled the other day. And I'm like, well, how much are you eating? And I've seen girls eat from 140 right up to 160 grams of protein per day, even more. Why why are we pushing high protein all the time, especially when it's not needed? That's the thing. No, I'm not going to, that could be a separate podcast in itself. But those are the issues I see with nutrition these days within the health and health and fitness industry. Moving on to sort of the mindset and the psychology side of things, I think this is this is where things get really interesting. I don't think everyone, anyone ever asks themselves why. Why they want to lose weight. You don't see this as much in, in performance. When it comes to athletes and performance and when it comes to body composition, there usually is some form of theoretical and logical reason as to why they want to do that. Now, it may not be accurate, because body composition can impair performance in some aspects. But they usually have a logical reason as to why they want it. Gen pop for fat loss don't really have that. Because they haven't questioned why. People say, I want to lose weight. Okay, well, why do you want to lose weight? And when you delve deep enough, the reason why people want to lose weight is to have more confidence. To be happier to attract whatever member of their preferred sex they want. That it might be for a health reason. And that is, that is a valid reason. Let's not get that twisted. Losing weight is more pro-health than excess body fat. But we want to do it for all these reasons. And more recent, what you're seeing now is this idea of self-worth and confidence and social validation through likes and followers online the problem is is that 
and the research supports this, it, it just doesn't do it. Now you might be thinking, Josh, you're wrong here because my experience tells me that when I lost weight, I felt happier. I felt confident. When I gained weight, I didn't feel confident. I wasn't happy. And I'm not undermining your own experience if that is you. The likelihood, though, is it wasn't the weight loss that done that. And it wasn't the weight gain that done that. It happened the other way around compared to what you think. You see, when you lose weight, you feel as if then you can start doing things. The amount of people who say, I can't, I, I couldn't wear a bikini because I'm not small enough. I couldn't do that because I'm not, I don't look right. I couldn't join that gym because so many people will judge me. It's not your body that's doing that. It's the fact that when you lose weight, you start to engage in things that make you happy. That you start to engage in things that make you confident. You wear clothes. And you probably know yourself, you've you've lost some weight and you've wore clothes and you're, you're maybe still anxious about wearing those clothes in a social setting. So that tells us that the confidence, confidence and self-worth and happiness isn't actually there. But when you wear it and then people say, Flip, you look great, have you lost weight? Then that's when this idea of confidence comes in. This idea of worth and attraction and happiness comes in. Because now you're engaging things that result in those. We maybe go and engage in a social event. We maybe go on a holiday. And, and maybe we, we, lo- we lo- love excursions on a holiday. Maybe we just love being able to wear certain types of um, swimwear. Whatever it is, we engage, we, we engage in these experiences that build the attributes that we want from fat loss. And the problem is, is then when you, when you put on weight, you stop doing those things. And so your confidence and happiness all goes down. So the body isn't doing anything, but it's the actual actions that's resulting in those. The point here is, though, that if you feel as if your body represents your self-worth or your confidence or your happiness or lack of, then it means it's conditional. And this is something I've, I've had a conversation with a number of clients before who've maybe come from disordered eating backgrounds or poor body image backgrounds, if how you feel about yourself is conditional on your body, then what happens when life happens? And that's probably that's probably one of my favorite phrases, is life happens. You might think right now that your life is going great. Maybe, maybe you're not. But maybe you think for your body, like, yeah, things are going really well here. But life is going to happen. What happens when you get injured and you're maybe immobile? Touch wood, hopefully not, but what happens if you're in a terrible car accident? What happens if, for a female who went through pregnancy, what happens if you went through a big life change that altered your body? Does that mean that your self-worth and your confidence and your your happiness is based on that? And if it is, that's a very very difficult place to, to be. And certainly I have all the empathy and compassion in the world for people who are in that place. But it shouldn't be the way. You are more than your body. And your body is probably the least interesting thing about you. So it shouldn't be the thing that's conditional for our self-worth and our confidence and happiness and attractiveness and all of that. That's what leads me into the next point. I had mentioned, you know, we do these certain actions to build those attributes. 
But one of the things that can prevent us from doing things like that is maybe the relationship we have with our body or our food. That I'm not going to, I'm not going to act a certain way or I'm not going to go to certain social events because the food is there. I know that if I have one bit of that food, if I have a bit of birthday cake, that's it. I'm a goner. My day is ruined. My week is ruined. I might as well have all of these other foods that have been restricting. Or we think that I couldn't go to gym because I'm too overweight. I'm going to be judged. Or we have all these beliefs, but especially around social events, sometimes this is, you know, I've heard so many personal trainers say, well, you've got a birthday. Well, take your Tupperware with you. Take your lunchbox with you. What's, what is the problem here? Do you not want it enough? Like, you told me you wanted to do a photo shoot, so do what you said you are going to do. <laughs> that is the worst, worst advice. And then we wonder why so many people struggle with disordered behaviours around their food and around their body. And I guess that's the that's one of the last points around mindset is that within the industry there's this argument from authority that number one, we feel as if if someone looks great, they must know what they're talking about. Number two, if someone has the alphabet behind their name, and I'm saying this as an academic, if they have all these qualifications, oh that, that person must be credible and have you know they must know what to do. And it's just not the case. Again, your body doesn't tell you that you could coach someone else. It doesn't even tell us that you would you know what is the correct information. Same thing when it comes to people from, from academia and we have different you know professors now on podcasts and doctors trying to give credible advice. And they, and they might be credible in their own very specific area, but it doesn't extend to everything. Having a PhD or being a doctor doesn't give you the authority that you know how to interpret all types of research. Yet that's what we're seeing now. I guess the real problem now that we have with social media is that some people just get trapped into this. Because there could be someone, someone like myself, who's trying to share good content, good educational content. Now I said, I don't, I don't try and use my body as a way to market but a lot of people do and they may just do it because they maybe don't know the impacts that that's having and there was a there's a documentary who was I can't remember the influencer's name she was on Love Island Sarah but she done a documentary behind body image and around the content that she was sharing and she didn't realise the impact that, that some of the content she was having was having on, on so many young females and so sometimes we can get we can get into this without even knowing the repercussions of it and then what ends up happening is that we start getting brand deals we start getting sponsorship we start getting money and advertising and all sorts and we build a whole brand based on being the fitness influencer which now means that we've got so much recognition for our body that our body is held in such high esteem that we now feel as if we're trapped in that place well if I don't look this way then people aren't going to want to engage in my content brands won't reach out they're reaching out because my body is my brand and so they, they themselves could have eating disorders or they're experiencing disordered behaviours and they feel as if they can't get out of it now yet they have to put on this facade that 
everything's all right. Everything's great. Everything's smiling away. So it is something worth knowing that, you know, whether it's social media, whether it's your general mindset and the underlying psychology, that it's important to look at why are we really doing it? In terms of training, this is going to be, I guess, an interesting one. I first started my career out doing program for training. And I got really interested in it. I, I love training, still love training now. But what I'm seeing now is a large part of coaches who are in this body composition, weight, weight loss realm, the photo shoots, the bodybuilding competitions, are just treating everyone like they want to do that. They're selling them on, oh, this before and after photo. Go and do a photo shoot then. Then we'll do a bodybuilding competition. And so they're telling them that you have to train a certain way if you want to look like that. Oh, you want to look like that celebrity? Oh, yeah, let's just do this. Let's train your chest this day, train your back this day, train your legs. But the thing that really, really pisses me off is when you have people spouting that, oh, no, like I don't do that with my clients. And yet the clients themselves then put up, oh, I'm doing 15,000 steps per day. I'm doing cardio three days a week and I'm training with weights five days a week. Do you know how unrealistic that is? And this is the thing. You get people without any sort of knowledge. They want to do something like just a, a general weight loss plan. And then the coach has them on a ridiculous and unrealistic and unsustainable step count. They get them training four or five days a week. And they're getting them to restrict their calories by such a severe amount. And all it ends up is a really, really poor body image for the individual. And a very dysfunctional relationship with food. But because that's then reinforced at the end with the after photo that everyone's commenting and liking and, and telling them how great they look, now they feel as if they have to keep that up. Oh, I need to go and do my steps today. No, you don't need to do anything. You don't need to train a certain way to achieve a specific look. And again, that's where it comes back into my point that People who sell based on their body and how their body looks don't always know what they're talking about. Anyone can drive someone into the ground. And that's literally what we're doing. We're just driving you into the ground. Oh, you want weight loss? I'm going to cut your calories. I'm going to increase the amount that you're moving and the amount that you're training. And that's it. Like that is, that is literally the new eat less, move more. I'm going to cut your calories. I'm going to increase your step count, increase your cardio, increase your weight training. And then people wonder why they're left in such a bad position after. And then they rebound so much. And the coach is away being like, thanks for your before and afters. On to the next one. See you later. So yeah, it's, it's a very, very challenging area to be in. The last one is just with regards to the body itself. One of the things that I see a lot now is the idea that health has a look or just fitness has a look. And maybe there is some context to this that I guess it's a spectrum. It's very much not binary when it comes to health or being unhealthy. It's not like a switch that has been off and on that you're healthy or not. There is a sliding scale. And there's a point where we get too far into that one extreme and we can become unhealthy. In the same way that we can push it to the other side, we either become like extremely fit, maybe cardiovascularly, or we can also go so extreme that it impacts our health again. So the health is almost like an inverted U relationship whereby too much of either extreme can be unhealthy. 
But the idea that this health has a look, it, it's one of the things that really, really annoys me, especially when so many people are struggling with disordered eating and disordered behaviours, that people say, oh, you, you don't look as if you're anorexic. But I, I would have never guessed that you binged it because you know, I, I thought you would have been thinner. It's things like that are just like, they're, they're so insensitive. And I don't think that people necessarily mean any harm behind it. I to be honest, I don't even think that people realize what they're saying. But the implications of that are just massive for that individual who hears them. And that's just in general. Like, I understand that getting compliments around your body and around your appearance are nice to hear. But the, the, we are so much more than our body. One of the things that I say to a lot of my my clients is that when you're standing in the gym or when you're standing in work or wherever you are and someone new comes in, do you look at them and say, nah, you're a size eight, you're too fat, get away, I'm not being friends with you? <laughs> I hope not. In the same way, if your best friend put on two or three stone, would you be like, would you treat them any different? Yet when people lose weight, we feel the need to comment on their body. Even when they don't lose weight, when they gain weight, and this is something that a lot of parents and grandparents do to their kids, they, they say things regarding the person's body. And they may think that the, the, the maybe the child, the individual is so young that they're not going to remember it, but from speaking with so many people around their history with their own body image, a lot of that starts in childhood because someone has made some form of comment. I had a I had a client a number of years ago, very, very talented athlete, and when they were probably very early teens, a coach said to them, you know, you're you're a great player. You'd just be a little bit better if you lost some weight. Now, I worked with this person when maybe 10 years later, and that's still stuck in their mind clear as day. And again, the coach in that instance probably thought, this person is really, really ambitious. They really want to strive for the best when it comes to performance, and I want to try and support them as much as possible. And maybe in their mind, they were doing the right thing, but the implications of that are just so damaging long term. Especially then if something else reinforces it later on by someone else. I don't think we should be commenting on anyone's body or food choice. Maybe now and again in the right instance, because even sometimes clients will, will talk to me about their body and progress and that type of thing and, and the physical nature of it. And we'll, we'll have a chat. But it's certainly not a weekly or monthly thing it's and it's certainly something that I'm very conscious of because we just don't know the implications and we, and we don't know what someone's going through that's the thing like we talk about weight loss but you telling someone they look great or have you lost weight what happens if they're going through grief or loss what happens if they're going through some sort of you know cancer treatment what happens if they're on medication what happens if they have an eating disorder and you've told them you look great now you've just reinforced that they're going to treat me different if I look this way. Smaller is better. And so I need to keep doing this. And hopefully you can start to see the issue here of everything that's building up. The problem is, is I think the industry so much focuses on weight, which is why you see things like before and afters. 
because everyone at some stage and probably we've been brought up to be conditioned to, to be critical of our bodies but we're so weight focused and yet not health focused and it's one of the things that I try and chat about a lot you know if you're sacrificing the social aspect if you're so if you're sacrificing your relationship with food if you're sacrificing your body image and you're building up all of these different disorder behaviors around those things in the pursuit of looking a certain way is that healthy i would argue it's not and i guess saying that's by a byproduct the issue there is that there is so much focus on restriction and not inclusion even when it comes to you know the likes of lent people will tend to go off food as opposed to add something in and this sort of ties into like larger goal setting discussion a lot of people set goals that are around restriction that i need to cut something out i need to reduce my carb intake i need to do x y and z why do we not focus on adding things in i'm going to add in one piece of fruit per day and you might be thinking well josh what's one piece of fruit well one piece of fruit this week is two pieces of fruit next week and three the following week and i guess there's this issue where people where people do look at things as like an eight week or a 12 week program that i'm going to get from point a to point b in 12 weeks the problem is that you have your body for life health shouldn't be a finite thing your health should be an infinite thing i want to get healthy for life but so many just people see the before and after and that's what they want to achieve the last thing that i want to touch on and this will tie into my previous podcast episode 13 around body image and body checking some people in the industry will recommend that we weigh ourselves every day and i've done this in the past and this isn't me throwing everyone under the bus and calling people out there is context to all of this i go through periods of weighing myself every day i go through periods of asking my athletes to weigh themselves every day again very context specific but certainly for most athletes and most people within the general population we shouldn't be doing it because how often do you do that and it makes you feel worse how often do you step on the scales first thing in the morning and it ruins your entire day so why would we subject ourselves to that every single day oh because my coach said that you know weight fluctuations are normal and we can average it out across the week and see what happened but your weight's going to fluctuate from week to week anyway again weight is a terrible marker of progress especially when you're looking at it on a week to week basis especially if you're a female because everything you do whether you're you're training hard and dieting hard your biology is against you especially if you're not on any sort of hormonal contraception your weight is going to fluctuate naturally and that's part of the process and so it's not that you're failing if your weight goes up it's just that you're using the wrong measure yet people will continue to say oh weigh yourself daily it'll be fine okay so i'm going to feel terrible for most of the month every single morning for very very little benefit there's just so much that goes on in the industry and i think a lot of it, a lot of it does play on our you know our insecurities and our pain points but realistically we have to ask ourselves what do you, what do we want out of this and i think if we're i think most of us 
know, we want to be healthy long term and we don't want to be you know shredded and have abs. I think if that was the case and if, you, if you've ever been there, you'll realize that that's not where you want to be. We want to be healthy long term. We want to live not only a long life, but a quality. And then we should act in a way that, that does that because we do have a body for life. None of us probably, maybe very few of us, make any sort of living off our body. So why then do we feel the need that we have to be a certain way? Especially when it probably doesn't bring the confidence and happiness and self-worth that we probably that we think it will. And if it does, then it means that it's conditional on looking a certain way, which could arguably be worse. I think when we think about this going forward, we have to think about the underlying why. I think a large part of it is because a lot of us lack acceptance. I don't think it's it's because we lack it. I think it's because we're conditioned not to accept our body. And we're always striving to want something else or be something else. When really we should be realizing that well, we are enough. And we, we certainly aren't perfect. We could be better. But that is not dependent on how our body looks. Yet that's a message that constantly be, be sold. There's probably a load of things that I've missed that happen in the industry that are glorified. But that gives you a little bit more context behind some of the things that I think are really obvious that are really, really messed up and should be changed. And I think if you're seeing these quite often, then that sort of gives you an indicator of what is the intention behind maybe the person posting these. So hopefully this this was useful. Hopefully give you plenty of context and value. And as always, please leave a review share this on social media because it really helps grow and allows me to do a lot more episodes i'm always up for listening to your feedback so that i can cater episodes and get guests on that really talk to the areas that you're going to be struggling with or want discussed certainly the the binge eating episode got a lot of traction and a lot of people wanted more of that so that's probably something we can explore in greater detail going forward But thanks very much for listening. I really appreciate it and I hope you have a fantastic week.